we're talking about where the Philippines has gone over the past half a century, essentially, no? Mm. Before we talk about Maharlika, we want to talk about the lost decades for the Philippines. Yeah, yeah. So, so Lela, napa, na, napaliwanag ni Richard yung, yung how stark it was, di ba? I just want to show it visually. Kasi meron tayong mga visual people, obviously, dito sa, dito sa, right. uh, sa podcast natin. May mga nakikinig. May, may, may mga nanonood. So here's a graph from the late great, my favorite Filipino economist, Cayetano Dodon Paderanga, former NEDA secretary, of course, former pro- professor also sa UP School of Econ. And prior to his death, he was working on uh, a post-war history of the Philippines. And in this particular lecture uh, from 2016 sa Kyoto University, where I was at that time working as a postdoc, nag-lecture siya. At uh, pinakita niya yung comparative takeoff points ng mga ASEAN countries. And nakita talaga natin na talaga napagtabunan yung Pilipinas. So, Richard, isn't this shocking to you like when you look at it visually? You know, what's interesting to me is that at least, okay, this is where, so let me share my side. Because for me, the crucial years were actually the Maharlika years, right? Because if you look at it, at least, there's some improvement from 1991 onwards. Look at how flat the graph is from 1991. 67, right? 65, 67. This is the beginning mm. of the Marcos until 1987. That's really the flat one. At least it picks up a little bit. Look at it towards towards mm. 2011. And then on, under Aquino, it goes closer to $4,000, no? So actually, mm. the, 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 the takeoff is from mid-1990s in the Philippines onwards. The rest of it is actually pretty flat, no? And much mm. of that is really under Marcos if you look at it, no? So we're not trying to be biased or anything. This is just the numbers, no? So, just a second, let me... Ah, okay. Okay, can I show my side lang? One second lang, bro. Yeah. Uh, just the numbers. Kasi I see your frustration na hindi tayo humahabol over time. My point is the crucial years were much earlier. Diba? Sorry, this one, diba? This one, right? This is the mm. one for me. Kasi the number is really shocking, bro. This, I mean, like, come on. 1962, our per capita is 495, right? By the time we reach 1986, Marcos collapsed. It's more or less the same, right? Mm. The per capita growth is just 0.4%. Obviously, mm. there's a population growth aspect, which is also one of the highest. Actually, it's the highest of all our peers, 2.7. All mm. our peers mm. are lower, no? Indonesia was half as rich as us in 1962, becomes as rich as us almost or as poor as us in 1986. But other countries, it explodes. Japan goes from 2,000 to 16,000. Korea goes from 300 to 2,000. Malaysia goes from 800 to almost 2,000. Singapore from 1,500 to almost 7,000. Taiwan was just as poor as us or rich as us in 1962 in per capita. They become as rich almost as, as Singapore. You know, they moved mm. up to $4,000. Thailand, they were poorer than us by far you know, in 1962. And then they're significantly almost... 40% richer than us in 1986. So for me, Leloy, going back to your graph, you look at it, the flatness is really those years. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is for me really the lost decades for the Philippines. Two lost decades for the Philippines. It's, it's amazing how, I mean, and of course, there's a concept of path dependency, Leloy, right? Like if you mess it right. up early on, because this is also the phase where many countries were building their base, their foundations for manufacturing, their foundations for attracting investments. So I think you were also one of the folks that mentioned we were losing, uh, we were losing on the first wave of industrialization across East Asia. So for me, this was really the crucial year. Again, I, in the, I'm not giving a free pass to those who came after. 
especially you, those who messed it up big time. Uh, but I mean, for me, the found it, I mean, we lost two full decades under one person, more or less, mm-hmm. right? And, and for me, I think that should kind of preview our discussion of Maharlika as objective mm-hmm. as possible. No, I mean, these are just numbers, ma. Uh, Nexus, no? I mean, we're not posing as economists or anything like that. Any individual who can just read and do basic arithmetic, right? You should be able to uh, to process this. And that's what I love about you, uh, Lelo, is your ar- argument about the fact that we should not leave it to so-called economists, professional economists, academic economists, because this is something that average persons, anyone, anyone. Yeah, yeah. Them, Wala akin naman na a lot of yung 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 technical capacity ng professional economists is kaya talaga nilang gumawa ng series, kaya nilang gumawa ng math, kaya nilang gumawa ng regression. Pero sometimes yung, I think the interpretation of data and especially the valuation of data, in other words, yung, when you bring in certain value judgments into your assessment, that's something that's for, that's something that's for everyone, right? Especially because economics is you know extremely value laden the way you choose right. you choose one indicator over another that reflects your values as a person right and as i say for example me as a kind of lefty my favorite indicator is 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 the gini coefficient i want to live in a more equal society mm-hmm. right and right. The, one of the things i'm waiting for with bated breath is yung pag-release ng next gini coefficient numbers because actually we haven't seen the gini coefficient numbers since 2018 and actually, yung problema ko nga with some of these graphs, including yung mga works na tinignan natin, hindi nila tinitignan yung rates of inequality or hindi nila compare yung rates of inequality. But you know, my suspicion, Richard, and I, I, I really want to dig into this. My suspicion is that we, is that even in the 80s, our Gini coefficient was already bad relative to our ASEAN neighbors, right? right. And now, yung nakakaya nga sa atin ngayon, now we're entering a period of, we've entered already a period of sustained growth. Medyo malinaw na yan, di ba? But really, yung drop ng Gini coefficient, it's been dropping since the Aquino period, mostly because during the Aquino and Duterte period, talagang bumagsak naman talaga yan. But parang ang, ang taas pa rin niya compared to our ASEAN countries. Yeah. So we're saying, uh, like ASEAN uh, is an equal country. And it's really, I think a lot of our political problems are really caused by the fact that we are unequal and you cannot form bonds of social trust if you're in, in, in an unequal society. And also kind of a progressive pressure group uh, on the state and on the oligarchs to get their act together and push a national yeah. industrialization, industrialization project, right? Mm. I, mean, I think there's also some correlation there. No? Now, yun nga, I just felt it's very important. We're evidence-based, so we're looking at the numbers. I completely agree with you, Leloy. We, we have had half a century of disappointments in the Philippines. Mm. Super disappointing level of per capita growth natin compared to our neighbors. Siyempre, yung context ng usapan natin, unfortunately, nakat tayo because of some technical issues. Um, the context was that why our neighbors even... I'm, I'm not talking about Thailand anymore because they're already way mm. ahead of us. Definitely not Singapore or Malaysia, but I'm talking about even just Vietnam and Indonesia, which I visited over the past few weeks in the context of ASEAN summits, etc., G20, etc., um, I mean, they're moving on so many fa- fronts, including gastro diplomacy. Their food is becoming cool and globalized. Uh, electric vehicle production by Vinfast. You were saying that in, in yeah. next to your house, there are Vinfast uh, dealers. I mean, it's incredible. It's incredible the transformation that some of our peers, real peers, no, in Thailand, Singapore, have been making. But ang argument ko kasi, Lelo, is the crucial years really for me was 60s, 70s, 80s. And that's where you see 
it was a complete disaster in terms of GDP per capita growth. And for me, that kind of was a curse that was carried over. And nakatawan rin na hindi ganon ka competent yung mga susunod na administrations, with some exceptions. I think Ramos did pretty okay for a few years from the very low base he was starting. Aquino didn't do too bad in terms of GDP growth rates, but you're right. Yung inequality levels didn't significantly go mm. down. It went mm. down, but not significantly. Yeah. And our human development index is still nowhere near where it, it should be mm. compared to our peers. So, ako, I'm not here to say one one side is good and one side is bad, but the numbers speak for themselves. We had two lost decades, yeah, Marcos. Uh, and compared to all our neighbors, you know, look at it: 0.4% GDP per capita growth under mm. Marcos. It was mm. 5% under China, 5% in Indonesia, 8-9% in Japan and Korea. And they also had dictators. We also had dictator. Mm. But our dictator was so incompetent compared to theirs. Yeah. I mean, if this if this Marcos is going to do well economically, it's because his predecessors already covered up for the mistakes of his father. That's 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 the irony that's that, that's there, right? And I would I would actually, you know, this is this is a very hard thing for me to say. I would actually include there. Rodrigo Duterte, because Rodrigo Duterte, you know, is a mass murderer. Namin yung pinatay pero economic policy niya. Na, you know, there was this, uh, there was a journal article on development and change published by um, Charmaine Ramos, and she makes the point there. Uh, here's a quote. She says that Duterte had overseen the highest level of social spending witnessed in the three decades be- beginning in 1986, for, with the 2017 to 2018 government social spending at its highest level for 32 years, both as part of public public spending and percentage of GDP. Is this share? So, no? Okay, so it's per- as, as, as a share of as a share of GDP. So let's give credit. Social spending since yeah. 86, according to Professor Professor uh, Ramos, was highest under Duterte. Yeah. So to, starting 2018, yon. So. Yun nga, hindi ko pa alam kung ano yung a lot of people are predicting na magta-tank yung yung Gini coefficient after 2018. Right. I'm not entirely sure because if in 2018 Duterte engaged in the largest social spending program, that could have lowered the the, the Gini mm. coefficient. Now, of course, after 2018, we know that in 2020 COVID happens and we don't yeah. know how that affects the Gini coefficient. Um so, you know, we're not we're not entirely sure what the legacy of this is going to be. Sorry, huh? sorry, I mean, we're, I'm yet to see the exact numbers, but from what we saw, the Asian Development Bank warned of a lot of scarring, no? So marami mm. sa ating mga kababayan, uh, they, they dropped out of the high-quality labor markets. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Back, but really low-quality employment. So mm. that's going to make the inequality question mm. worse. And yeah, we're yeah. seeing that Lelo in in educational sectors. Yeah. Yeah, you know what you know what I you know what I suspect Richard is if ano kung ni-report yung Gini coefficient ng 2019 early 2020 it would have been good news for the Duterte administration yeah. because of this particular social spending uh, this particular social spending and in a way parang this is this actually explains why Duterte was still popular at the end of his term it's not because tanga yung mga tao or wala silang pakialam sa drug killing it's because You know, if you have the largest social spending since '86, I mean, hindi naman tanga yung Pilipino. They respond to that kind of policy. I mean, you can call it economic populism, whatever. But you know, it it is what it is. Let, let me also clarify again. Uh, let's give uh, credit. Let's give credit where credit is due. No, I, for instance, I gave credit to the Duterte administration in terms of improving our facilities, chance sa pag among others, which we didn't do mm. under 
the Pinoy administration. I kept on telling them they didn't do it, right? So we're not here to besmirch or to underplay the achievements. I want to put things into context though, because we're talking about continuity. Under Aquino, Leloy, our fiscal space, yung budget ng gobyerno... Lumaki talaga. Lumaki. Kaya nga, nung pumasok si Digong, ang dami niyang pera. You get what I'm saying? I, I'm going to yeah. give credit for him for using that money yeah, for yeah. spending infrastructure development. But in mm. fairness, we have to give credit to the Aquino administration yes. for creating the fiscal space. Lahat ng budget na nakuha niya na nag-carry over. Kaya nga, dito, dito, mm. this is where, uh, Lele, I try to be different from both camps because there's, there's one camp that says Duterte was horrible on every front and Aquino was great on almost every front. And then there's other camp that does the opposite. But the reality is that you know, there were things that both got right. And we you, know, you know, hot, you know, ang hot take ko dito is, is actually Ayan, that, that, that the Aquino and Duterte administrations are administrations of economic continuity and that it was a, exactly. and that it was a decent one-two punch on the part of Aquino that, and Duterte, right? Uh, Aquino, Aquino created the fiscal space. He also started many of the programs that Duterte would use so effectively in 2018. Like, for example, yung four-piece, right? And it was that combination that put us in a really good position in 2020. Then, of course, COVID happened, right? Pero yeah. uh, it was, it, it was a, I think it was a, economically, it was a good run for those two presidents. And, and infrastructure spending went from 2 to 3% mm. to more than 5% thanks to John yeah. when he was the DB. And I really welcome that. So again, yeah. we're not here to hate any. We're, we're, we're yeah. being fair, no? Minsan, siguro, mm. we're just being overfair. That's why I had to put yeah. the context. Now, in fairness naman, yeah. there's a savings in Pinoy, there's a cutting down on the uh, on the fat and excess spending. Yeah. Right? But in fairness naman to the Digong administration, they also did their part on infrastructure, yeah. social spending, and then they but, messed it up during the pandemic. We, we, we mishandled the pandemic because if you look at it, our neighbors, some of them grew. Vietnam grew. Taiwan grew. Indonesia had a negative 3%. Philippines had 10% almost GDP. Because uh, overreact si Tatay Digong dun sa uh, uh, and everything like that. Yeah. Yeah, so so look at Gini coefficient, for example, 46.5 uh, 2012. Um, high on, was a high. Tapos, by 2015, under Aquino, bumagsak to 44.6. And then under Duterte, bumagsak to 42.3. So, so talagang may continuity. These are the presidents who are lowering our inequality. Yeah. And then, of course, yung interesting, naalala ko, sabi mo yung binigyan ni Noy Noy si Digong ng fiscal space. Yes. The way this was covered in the media was actually an away between Butch Abad and uh, and then incoming DBM Chief Diokno. Because yeah. sabi, ni, sabi ni Butch Abad, sabi ni Diokno, the Aquino government underspent, crim criminally underspent, right? Mm -hmm. So nagbukang away. Yeah. And we're going to spend a lot more. Now, right. actually, if I if, if you wanted to be nice, the way you would have phrased that is hindi away. You would have spent, you would have, Diokno would have said, the Aquino government did not spend as much Therefore, it's giving us a lot of fiscal space. Yeah. We thank the Aquino administration for creating the fiscal space. We're going to use it now, right? So, so it's it's the same set of data, except the way they talked about it was away as opposed to continuity. And I actually think what happened was a lot more continuity. It, but Domingo credited the Dominguez, Aquino. yeah. Dominguez, sorry, Dominguez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The credited Purisima. Oh, credited Purisima. Because... Dominguez, I remember, was it 2019 or something? One big conference said we can have a golden age of infrastructure development at salamat sa mga dating administration starting. Yeah, I don't want to be unfair to Tita Arroyo, 
Tita Roy also in the late 2000s started some fiscal reforms that were carried over in a sustainable and a sincere way by the Aquino administration. Kaya nga, yes. meron budget. So, I want to be as fair as, yun, yun kasi yung problema sa atin, di ba, Lelo? Yung, para, mm. parating, parang, it's like binary. Bad administration, good administration. But it's uh, 50 shades of competence uh, and competence, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's funny nga eh, kasi parang ang polarized ng discussion even when it comes to economic, economics and even the econ, economists are very polarized magsalita. But actually, if you zoom out, and maybe you need a historian in order to zoom out, if you zoom out, you know, from Arroyo to Duterte, hindi naman magkakaaway ang mga regime na yun eh. Don't you think, Richard? I mean, Balisakan worked not, under Aquino is now yeah, under Marcos. Hindi sila magkakaaway right? economically. If you look at, you know, every time, you know, the DOF has reunions, may meron sila yeah. mga events where they have the former secretaries there. It's extremely collegial because these are the same managers and they have the same vision for our country. And you know, Richard, I think more or less, a lot of them have got, gotten their act together. I don't yeah. care if it's, uh, you know, Purisima. I don't. I don't care if it's Dominguez. You know. I don't care if it's Diokno. These these guys think alike, and they have a common vision for our country. Now you can critique that vision, right. but I think from Arroyo onwards, it's been it's been rather consistent. Pretty okay, no. Pretty okay. Mm. I would say we have had fifteen years of just above mediocre macroeconomic management, which is much better than what we had for a long time. For a long time. So in, in the 50 years that we're talking about, from 1970 to 2020, mm-hmm. we had roughly 15 years mm-hmm. or more of decent macroeconomic policy. Mm-hmm. I would say late 2000s under Arroyo, mid-1990s under Ramos, mm-hmm. and then six years of Aquino, mm-hmm. and then at least four years under Digong. Just think about yung continuities there, diba? Yung yeah. Arroyo, for example, yung... Um, she promoted BPOs, right? right? And we think of her as the kaaway of the Dilaw now. But who, who, who was who, who was the who was her person who helped her promote Maros. BPOs? Maros, <laughs> this kind of continuity. Yeah. And I mean, you know, Butchabad was in that cabinet also, and it was doing right. well, right? Bumalik yeah. sila under the Aquino administration. Exactly. So a lot of the good things they were doing there, they did it again. So exactly. look. I think what Richard and I are doing here is we're trying to depolarize our country a little bit. Right, we're trying to depolarize our country detox. and stop people detoxify. from thinking. Detoxify. Detoxify. Oh, oh. Toxic ng discussion. Oh. Even economics is so toxic now. You cannot oh. talk about inflation without being bashed. It's like mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying. Like it's so hard to talk even numbers now because everything is politicized. Even numbers. Mm-hmm. Of course, numbers interpretation is political in many ways. I understand that, but it's so partisan na like I'm I'm so careful to say. Like, again, I don't want to go down this road. You know where I'm going to go. But you know what I'm saying? Like I said, for instance, I cited the case of Turkey, which is a crazy case, just to say, you don't never know, right? I mean, in, in Turkey, super crazy on policies in Erdogan. I completely disagree with the guy on every single front. At the same time, the real wages actually are not too bad in, in Turkey, right? That's why walang mm-hmm. political revolt. Eh. That's why Erdogan might still make it. Mm-hmm. So it's not just inflation, but it's the real wages you have to look at. It's wages versus... In- so, But it's so hard to say it because I just say that maybe inflation is at 6% is not horrible. Suddenly you're seen as elitista, insensitive. Mm-hmm. It's you know frustration, guys. So I, what I like you doing uh, here, Leloy, is that you're saying, kung titignan mo actually mga pros, yung mga adults, 
Matino naman sila, hindi sila nag-aaway masyado. Oh, hindi sila point. kasi hindi sila kasi polarized exactly. at that level. Exactly. And, and 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 you can and in in a way I think you can also critique our economic policy makers for for not arguing as much because ang sasabihin ng mga kaliwa dito is that you have a common neoliberal culture among them kaya hindi sila nag-aaway, diba? That's yeah. that's the kind of left-wing critique. I I I I see the value of that critique but I don't take that position. The, the position I take is that you mm-hmm. have we, we have developed a group of economists who are not right-wing actually. It's been relatively fiscally expansive naman in in Jokna a kind of modern especially. way. Yeah. Jokna, Jokna Jokna especially and yeah. then and then monetarily diba hindi na hindi na ito yung period na you know protect the peso at all costs eh meron right. na, they, they're din allowing slips slip uh, you know drops on the peso to reassure the exporters sa sasaluhin na hindi kayo iaabandon ng central bank maybe they should do it a bit more um right. but but hindi na ito yung period ng high pe, ng high peso above everything else and and i think they they get along they they have a common vision and it's a vision that i think majority the majority of us if we could dig into the economics the majority of us might agree with although i respect of course my colleagues not in the left who, who really want a more yeah, yeah. structural change yeah yeah i see their point but the point is like it's a bit caricaturish because for me huh, there's still a significant difference between jokno's approach to fiscal and monetary policy both at central banker and, and DBM compared to say Purisima for instance or some of the mm. other people we're talking about in fact Balisakan and Jokna are not necessarily on the same page right for instance mm. Balisakan is more on PPP uh, Jokna still believes that the government can fund more projects together with the international financial institutions so many interesting things are still happening there lelo you know so for me is si Dominguez nga lang as a Jokna towards the tail end of the Duterte administration naga naga nagta, nagta, parang nakikita mo nagtatalo na over the over the deficit eh, because you saw that uh, Dominguez Indeed. already wanted to privatize certain industries exactly. the deficit si Diokno was like growth above everything else diba? so so yes they, you can make fine grain distinctions even within administrations it's consequential it, it's fine grain but it's consequential for me no uh, especially if you look at the infrastructure spending etc now we'll go to Marlika very shortly don't worry about it but I, I really want to get down to this because um 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 point codito is yes it's true that they're i mean they're all trained in new classical economics whatever you want to put it but i think they're also adjusting to realities on the ground they're also vibing mm-hmm. you ongoing debates on social inequality on inclusive development mm-hmm. even if you look at the statements by asian development bank by imf world bank they're also shifting and changing you know the world economic forum talks more about inequality now uh, yeah. in so for me as much as I see the leftist critique as sensible in terms of pushing for more structural reforms, I think we should not also look at current technocratic community as monolithic. They're not monolithic, mm-hmm. right? So it's like yeah. 50 shades of neoliberalism, if you can put it yeah. that way, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, which, which matters because it could make a lot of difference on the ground. But now, of course, going back to this, Leloy, um, I mean, one thing I wanted to add, actually, very interesting also see Medallia, uh, see Philippe Medal, he, he kind of made this interesting statements also on, you know, a weaker peso could be good for our exports and actually could make yeah. our economy more competitive. Again, I'm not sure we were hearing that before, were we? That wouldn't have happened in the 90s, diba? Exactly. That wouldn't have happened in the or 90s because... In the I, he, so so in, the 90s, in the 90s, when a group consisting of a, a, a young Ben Diokno, <laughs> Manuel <laughs> de Dios, <laughs> and Calixto Chicamco, and the, the late great Cayetano Paderanga, they made an argument for a more sustained depreciation. Ah, I'm missing someone. Sorry, I'm missing someone. Um, I'll get it. Lima yon eh. 
they made an argument for a sustained depreciation of the peso. Hernia? At ang sagot, sa centra- sagot sa kanila ng central bank at ng kaliwa. So this is very interesting, ah, was that they were engaged in jukebox economics. It was wow. so out of the pale at that time that they were attacked from the right and the left. So the fact that Medalia is, is already saying that now, right? Yeah. It's, already, it's already significant progress on the part of our central bank. Nagbabago talaga tayo, nagbabago yung orientation. And unless mag-aral tayo ng ekonomiya, unless we don't, unless mag-aral tayo ng ekonomiya, if we, if we don't leave it to just the economists, we're not going to see this as citizens. We need to see this as citizens, not mediated by economic experts, but as citizens who consume the news because economics, economic news is news the way political news is news and we don't just leave political news to political scientists. Exactly. Right? I, mean, I don't mind uh, economists making political analysis especially when it's sound. No? Mm. Uh, I don't call them poser if they <laughs> talk about mm. foreign affairs or politics. So I found it really strange that some of our friends are you know, misunderstanding the context. But That's what I'm saying. If you talk to real economists, high-quality economists in the Philippines and abroad, no, uh, to bankers, you know, I, Lela, you know, I deal a lot with bankers. I give a lot of briefing to top hedge funds, financial institutions around the world uh, who are concerned about the Philippines because they, everyone knows politics, economics intersect, no, and you have to really look at it. And thanks to historians like you, Lela, hopefully you'll be our Adam Tooze uh, down the road. Yeah. We, we, look, we have to look at things in a longitudinal way. Hindi yung titignan yeah. mo oh, doon sa website ni Banco Central, anong nakasulat dyan? Yan na po ang katotohanan ng ekonomiya natin for, for, forever, eternity. That's not how it works, right? You look at the evolution over time. You look at the internal debate, yeah. external yeah. debates, the dialectical yeah. interaction. There's so many factors going on, di ba? So, you know, yeah. you need interdisciplinary approach. And, and we're not idiots, right? We do our assignments. We're entering this debate from with, with some basic training and understanding the situation. Of course. And as political scientists, we're trained to do regression and all of those things. So, you know, my economists, no? Anyway, Lelo, now, of course, all of this is just a warm-up. And by the way, shout out to some of our friends. I, 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 pers- I saw persons on big business folks. And even pro Marcos people saying they're they're listening to to us all the time. said you're you're too woke for my taste, but you make sense, and I like it. Like you're you're a cool leftist or woke or something like that. But I appreciate it. I appreciate that they listen to an hour of discussion on mm-hmm. economics by us, and they really like yung duo natin and discussion natin. So I feel very encouraged, Leloy, and I really love this discussion. It's so interesting. So can we transition now to The, the, the man of the, the day or of the week or month, uh-huh. Sandro Marcos, who of course took his master's in London School of Economics. But just to be clear, it's London School of Economics and Political Science. So not necessarily uh-huh. LSE graduate ka, economist, ka, no? but I, I didn't bother to check ano ba talaga master's niya or yung thesis niya or whatever. <laughs> but clearly, Sandro is kind of positioning himself as a kind of a technocratic young guy. Some even said Macronish. Now, I won't go that far. I'm sure Macron will love something. Please wag naman, kuya. Actually, a leftist said that on Twitter. Come on. Too, kind of like, Come on. Like, don't stretch the Macron thing. I got bashed a lot for kind of pushing Isco to be kind of Macronish. And I'm going to be bashed for that forever. And I'm going to be... Uh, I don't mind being accountable for that and apologizing for stretching things. But, but going back to this, what do you think about this... Hindi lang Philippine sovereign wealth fund, talaga maharlika sovereign wealth fund. Like, is this is this like a meme? Kasi natakot ako, baka ito na naman yung mga meme na onion, red onion. Uh-huh. I like, 
Totoo nga, Marley ka talaga yung ginamit eh. So, Lele, can I get at, uh, at uh, I mean, what was your first uh, hot take on that? Well, yun nga yung pangalan, in, insulto, di ba? Because I, I thought early on that there was an attempt on this administration to kind of at least rhetorically distance itself from the worst excesses of the first administration, even if baka may gawin silang similar to the first administration. So, for example, you know, hindi pinatugtog yung bagong lipunan theme nung inauguration, yeah. di ba? Uh, ako, uh, ako ay Pilipino yung naging theme instead of yung bagong lipunan. Because, tapos, so, so gustong isignal some continuity, pero lumalayo naman sa worst excesses, right? At hindi naman nagtayo si Bongbong Marcos ng, hindi naman niya reconstitute yung bagong lipunan as a concept. Right. Pero itong Maharlika, it's one of the nastiest concepts coming out of the old Marcos administration. Eh. Because the, this is... Ano ba itong Maharlika, Lela? Sorry. Maharlika daw yung pangalan ng unit ni Marcos nung World War II. Aha, not the, the unit that... Yeah, yeah, well, of course, yes, yes. Because because yung may history of the aristocracy, di ba? So, yeah. kung hindi yun yung naging pangalan ng unit ni Apolakay nung World War II, then it would have just been this concept of aristocracy. Except na, na-associate sa talaga ah. Marcos. Kasi yun, 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 yung, yun daw yung guerrilla unit. And, and you know, speaking of the excesses of the Marcos administration, this is where the lying really started with respect to yung history ng Maharlika. So, if you look at, for example, the book by Hartzell Spence, yung From Every Tear of Victory, the authorized biography of Ferdinand Marcos. Marcos there, because we know that Hartzell Spence is really just writing the, the official line of the Marcos, of, of the Marcoses, they make the claim, Marcos and Hartzell Spence make the claim that Maharlika saves Australia. It's that absurd. Bakit oh. daw? Kasi daw nung, nung, pap, nung papasok na yung mga hapon, single-handedly, Marcos and Maharlika, ala Rambo, and they slowed down the southern advance of the Japanese in the Philippines through, through Rambo strategy. And because they <laughs> because they at, at because the pabagalilang approach, Marcos and the Maharlika saved Australia. That was the claim that they made. Ganun ka absurd itong concept, itong concept na to ng Maharlika. So so from the name itself, napakalaking insult oh na. Okay. Oh. So we, we went from this to <laughs> Alano Gold, di ba? Kasi oh, ang oh. tanong ngayon, ano bang susunod na fund? Talano fund? Like, oh. reserves, di ba? Oh. Yung, yung tanong ngayon, eh. Oh. <laughs> to this. Oh. I mean, so what's going on here, Lele? Do you think they're like testing the waters how, how much they can get away with? With playing with the the craziest the fund, the most fringe as... Kasi hardly oh. ka pa lang napaka-emeldific eh. And I'm having a hard oh. time taking it seriously as a technocratic initiative, oh. right? Ikaw, Lele, what's your take? Well, uh, well <laughs> ang dami, di ba? So, so, of course, so of course, rinereference yung military history ni Marcos. Yeah. And then the idea of a sovereign wealth front naman is also re- referencing this kind of idea of state developmentalism from the first yeah. Marcos regime as well. That's the other symbol. And I, I would say, to be fair, you know, the first, the first reference is crazier than the second reference because we just talked about <laughs> developmentalism and developmentalism obviously works. Now, I'm looking at the, the media coverage of Maharlika. There's, there's, a, there's a decent piece on the star about the Maharlika Wealth Fund which talks about the <laughs> pros and cons ng Maharlika Sovereign Wealth Fund. And I think by and large, parang hindi naman, hindi naman kasing frothing in the mouth yung approach ng star because... 
you know, like everybody was saying that this is just a corrupt, corruption fund and it yeah, could yeah, be yeah. that. Pero the star begins by saying, actually, you know, this happens. That That's one thing we should say. You know, this is not unprecedented. This is something that's been done in Malaysia. This is something that's, of course, been done in, in Singapore via Temasek Holdings. And in the case of Temasek Holdings, it's been quite successful, right? So on paper, you know, it's not a crazy idea to have a sovereign wealth fund. Now, where the problem comes in, of course, according to the star piece is, well, una una, is it is it the right time to do it given economic yeah. given economic conditions? Now we can have a debate, you know, about whether or not because this is Sabinang administration, well it's seven point seven plus percent growth, you know, we do we do have the space. But you know the other Angsagutamanjan is yeah we have the space, but we should use that space to continue to ameliorate the effects of COVID-19 and inflation, right? So that's one response to that. The second more substantial response is, yes, there's Temasek Holdings, but there's the 1MDB scandal in Malaysia, of course, where a similar sovereign wealth fund was, was raided in amounts that are only comparable really to Ferdinand Marcos Sr. Slash fund. I mean, and it is fund that I think Wolf of Wall Street, which is quite an irony, right? Mm. Like, um, or not actually irony. It's like art imitates reality. Reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know which is the crazier, right? The one MDB part or the Wolf of Wall Street story. But going back mm. to this, obviously, yeah. I mean, you know, what's the most interesting to me, Lelo, is Imi Marcos' criticism of this proposal, right? I mean, right mm. off the bat, Imi Marcos' question is multi-pronged, right? First of all, yes, sovereign wealth fund makes sense, but it's something that countries with surplus export mm. earnings and exchange reserves tend to do, right? I mean, look at the biggest mm. sovereign wealth funds, Qatar, Saudi, Singapore, China. Oh. Look at the biggest foreign exchange reserves. It gonna, and then, of course, you have Norway also there, no? Mm. So uh, in, the, in the case of Asia, of course, it was the Asian financial crisis that made us very uh, traumatized. Kaya nga, mm. everyone was bulking up on their foreign exchange reserves. And the idea is that maybe more than just reserves, you want to have an active mechanism for global investments. Para make... Sorry, boss. Ko. Sorry, I need to get my charger. Sure, sure. Oh, I mean, you're going to go away or something? Yeah, I have to go. Pause lang. I have to go. I mean, pause the recording. Really? No, I can go on. No, I can go tayo? Hindi naman. I mean, I can go oh, on. Okay. Ah, sige, sige, sige. Don't worry about it. Ako na lang magsalita on my own. Okay. Ganun naman tayo, pare. Ako rin kanina I have to go. You know, so, for, ang sinasabi ko is, okay lang, kahit di naman makinig si Lelo, nakikinig naman yung mga ka-Nexus natin. Um, ang sinasabi ko is, in, in the case of Asia, a lot of us were so traumatized by the Asian financial crisis that we became obsessed with savings. No? Uh, but the idea was that saving and having surplus foreign exchange reserve is not enough. You want to put it in an investment vehicle that actually gets you good returns over time, at the same time gives you some cushion. No? In the case of Europe, Norway, of course, there was a Dutch disease case, whereby Netherlands, of course, once it had the discovery of natural gas, and it had huge uh, surplus earnings, it actually affected its exports because its currency became appreciated. So Norway was perhaps somehow also influenced by the case of the Dutch disease. And then you have the Gulf Arab countries, very rich countries who were making huge profits out of their oil exports. And the idea was that, what do we do with us? Because, in the, uh, because just north of Persian Gulf, the Shah back in the day injected a lot of extra profits into the economy, hyperinflation, created revolutions. The idea is that, okay, instead of injecting all of that super profits, Internally, let's put it in a sovereign wealth fund, manage it. So the Middle Easterns, the Norwegians, the East Asians, everyone had reasons to come with a sovereign wealth fund. So in theory, you know, a la Philippine star, no, it makes sense. But we're mostly talking about countries who are 
uh, export-oriented surplus funds and wanted to do, avoid the Dutch disease case or wanted to avoid another Asian financial crisis, etc. So the question is, is that, does that make sense in the case of the Philippines, which is an import-oriented country? Our surplus uh, you know, funds are not as much. And then, kaya nga sabi ni Amy Marcos, saan mo naman kukunin yung funds nito if it's going to come from GSIS, SSS, etc. A lot of these guys have to take care of their own, right? And they have their own internal problems. The SSS issue was a big one, no? Under under Duterte, no? In terms yeah. of sustainability, actuarial uh, sustainability. So, and daming layers of questions. And then, papasok pa yung 1MDB. You know, Malaysia is a relatively more developed country than the Philippines, and yet they had this massive 1MDB scandal, which Amy Marcos also kind of alluded to. No? So that's that's really fascinating that you have uh, the presidential sister uh, saying exactly the same thing I was saying right later on before I saw her comment. So so for me, uh, that in itself is an interesting thing. Actually, recently, hindi rin maganda even yung mga heavy hitters yeah. na sa hindi rin naman ganun kaganda yung record nila, di ba? Yeah. Malpak- for example, for example, yeah. um, I mean, look at the Saudi Wealth Fund. Ang, ang dami nilang binigay sa SoftBank Vision Fund, which was supposed to be the leading tech startup investor in the world. Yung SoftBank is, is the Japanese telco yeah. company right. na nag invest sa mga mostly US, but also even in India, they were investing in groups like WeWork, for example. All of these big brands na super nag-crash because yeah. puro mga bolero. And Elizabeth Holmes style. Hindi siya kay Elizabeth Holmes, pero si, si Adam Newman, he invested yeah. in WeWork, for example, using yeah. Saudi money. And, you know, it's not the, the best show, but you can watch that show, yung, yung, uh, yung, uh, yung Anne Hathaway show um, about WeWork. And, and you see there that itong mga sovereign wealth fund na to, madali rin silang lokohin nitong mga tech entrepreneurs and nung nag-crash yung tech and tech, tech is crashing now, nayari rin yung investment ng mga sovereign wealth, sovereign wealth fund. So the question now is really, especially because tech is downsizing and a lot of the sexiest yeah. investments for sovereign wealth funds were tech, di ba? Where's, where are you going to invest even now? Right? The, the 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 market is kind of weird and it's a, it's yeah. in a period of transition now i i, I understand that the, that if a, a person who is pro maharika can counter me and say well that's precisely the point kasi dahil pabagsak na yung tech nagbabago nagshi-shift yung market na. you oh. have mura na and if you have a sovereign wealth fund na magaling Kabilihan. alam niya kung saan yung next trend diba kasi kung pabagsak na yung trend alam niya kung saan yung next trend ang problema is <laughs> you're giving them ideas. Uh, I won't be surprised. I'm going to hear it. Hey, Darian, do you stock markets? Now is the best time to buy tech stocks, Tesla, whatever. I see that. Not to mention, the Saudis also do this vanity shopping. Newcastle United, they bought in Premier League no, with their sovereign wealth mm-hmm. fund. So we have also this. So not only scandalous, but also decadent. Uh, oh yeah, vanity, vanity oriented talaga, Vanity diba? investments, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yung 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 SoftBank Vision Fund na talagang binangkrap, hindi naman binangkrap, na talagang sinaiphone of significant money from from the Saudis. The, the the point there was really not not whether or not the companies were becoming profitable. It was it was just growth. It was just pure yeah. growth, growth at all costs, de ba? So ilagay mo yung pera mo dyan, the, the greater market share you have, the better. 
and the more charismatic the person was who was helming the company like Adam yeah. Newman it was better for the image of the investors because they were associating themselves right. with so-called visionaries so these were like these were vanity funds yeah, and right. it's it's not really the right time to invest in the concept because the concept is in a weird 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 state right now yeah so parang it, it it's not the sexiest thing because it's it's ROI record is actually not that fantastic right mm. not to mention we already had a lot of them missing the uh sorry missing the mark even during the asian uh, nang, sorry great recession no 2007-8 i think we had a lot of not necessarily sorry but i know the norwegian pension funds for instance were invested in some of the i mean mga lehman brothers type no that went south mm. so, so it's not like just recently the tech uh, bubble uh, burst we have multiple waves of the sovereign wealth funds getting it wrong. But the thing as Lele is Saudi Arabia might still get away with it because it's Saudi Arabia, right? Norway mm. because they're rich countries. They're really, really rich countries. And the point is that, let's say, because the proposed budget is roughly $5 billion, right? You get that wrong. Billions of dollars of money from GSIS, SSS, Land Bank of the Philippines, all of this money that could have gone to other basic necessities or actuarial mm. sustainability would be because my margin of error kasi yung mga iba to play it around. I mean, I cannot blame Newman and these people because Elizabeth Holmes got to full Kissinger, right? Oh, si Bankman, itong crypto FX guy. I mean, like, oh, oh, oh. You know, like charismatic. Exactly, they're charismatic, dorky people who kind of look like uh, harmless and brilliant and visionary. A lot of them, MIT, Stanford connection, and all of that. So, I mean, my point is. May meron kasi room for error eh. Yung mayayaman ng bansa para tayo. My God! Like, I'm not sure. It's like, kukunti na aling kapirasa lang yung pera niya sa bahay, ilalagay mo pa sa stock market. You get what I'm saying? That's my counter-argument to you. Ikaw ay napakaliit ng savings at ang dahil mong pangangailangan tapos sabihin mo, ay, lagay natin sa stock market yan. Tama ba yan? Or make a sari-sari store or something. You get what I'm saying? That's my counter-argument. And ako talaga, ako talaga, you know, Use it on social spending. Yeah, I mean, the bakong gusto mo talaga. We we talked about Rodrigo Duterte and we talked about how Marcos wants to be a kind of continuity with Rodrigo Duterte. The real continuity is expand social spending that will create yeah. continuity between you and Duterte and also Aquino because these were the as we said yeah. earlier, these were the governments that expanded social spending. So a uh, three a three government continuity in terms of increased social spending that'd be very, very good. Can for, make a for, difference. For, for, yeah, yeah, Tulfo? Kasi, huh? si Erwin ang in charge ng DSWD, di ba? Kaysa ibigay oh, baka, na lang ka, ibibigay na lang kay, uh, kay Secretary Tulfo, di ba? Lalong-lalang, DSWD, oh. ang dami nilang problema ng gastos. I, I, I really like that. So, what about the hypothesis that this is distraction? This is performativity at its not finest necessarily, but this is the performativity par excellence. Now, I mean, tam- inflation, wala tayong magawa dyan. Itong, let's come up with some uh, brilliant na idea and mm. distract people. What about yeah, yeah. that? I, I, think, I, I think so. Pero parang, yun nga, for me, kung mataas yung inflation, the solution is, sabi mo, tataasan ko ang four piece. Diba? Or expand ko ang four piece. Uh, diba? Para yung, may, yeah, I mean, Actually, for me, yung inflation, yes, we can talk about the macroeconomics of inflation, we can talk about rates, but ultimately, rates sasabay tayo sa US. Eh. Ang sagot talaga sa, sa inflation, well, in the long run, unions, yeah. 
so that they can yeah. so that they can bargain but actually sa Pilipinas ang sagot sa inflation is expand the four piece para yung pinaka nahihirapan na inflation yeah. meron ng caution na yon and, and i don't understand why they're using this as a distraction instead of just saying like well, you know the four piece is a great project and we'll expand it given this time of hardship like it's so freaking but that doesn't weird. make Sandra look great but Sandra will look great if it's like his idea of do you get what i'm saying going yeah, back to the guess, Macron idea right again i kind of like waved it off at first but now i'm suddenly thinking but what if that's the pr game again i'm not saying that's the case i'm just saying that's one angle that critics are also looking at that forget about all the economics of it this is all about public relations and performativity especially because uh-huh. again, i agree with you the inflation question i i do i really do not like what some people are doing which is they're bashing marcos for everything including things that are not his fault naman talaga di ba? Uh, So, medyo unfair naman. There are exogenous factors beyond, beyond him. There are things inherited. Parang, for me, honestly, a responsible opposition is not a nega opposition. A responsible mm-hmm. opposition is one that gives credit where credit you and has a data-driven, proper, mm-hmm. analytically-driven critis- critique of the administration. Yeah. Kasi it gives bad name to opposition. And, I mean, look at how nega things are. Every time something is not good, kasalanan ni Marcos Jr. Every time something is Uh, uh, is is okay then hindi dahil kay Marcos and the other side does the almost opposite right yeah. if something is not wrong it's not our fault if something is good it's only because of us so yeah, like, yeah. I'm not sure this is really helping yung ating mga kababayan in terms of the level of political discourse and policy discourse we want and at the end of the day Leloy di ba policy ang pinag-usapan eh. kaya ikaw bilang isang historiador meron ka masabi yung ekonomista maraming masabi tayo rin may masabi yung mga ibang social scientists and 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 ako, I'll be honest about it. I, I feel that sometimes turfing is happening. And at the same time, let me say it again. I apologize if I seem dismissive towards some folks in the Philippines and medyo mayabang ang dating ko because I saw in some tweets that some people were implying that I'm a bit too dismissive at inechepuero ko yung some... No, it's not local economies per se, but some people there who are trying to make it look that sila lang dahil may PhD sila in economics or whatever, sila lang may karpatan magsalita. For me, I'm sorry, Leloy, that's so fourth world. Let me, that's not third world. That's like, kasi in other third world, pwede pa rin eh. But this is so fourth world. Na kami lang mga PhD in economics ang may masabi sa monetary and fiscal policy. Eh, come on, this is a joke. Um, kaya nga. Yeah, so, so we are going to continue talking about that because like, you know, when it comes to economic policy like a sovereign wealth fund, there, there's a lot more than just the numbers And just, there's a lot more than the technical stuff. We honor the people who produced our graphs for us. We love you. Thank you for producing our graphs. But ultimately... Thank you we to have accountants to... too for their yeah. warrior studies and everything. Oh, thank you. Thank, thank you. you them, yeah. Then we, but then, when data, when the process is now, we all talk about it collectively, right? Totoo, mahirap gumawa ng regression, mahirap gumawa ng graph, mahirap gumawa ng series. Just but, you know, the reason, bakit, the reason bakit kayo gumagawa ng graph It's not to keep it amongst yourselves. The reason why it can graph is so that it can generate conversations between those people because a graph is precisely an ordering of a data of of data in yeah. such a way that more people can talk about it. And you know, don't blame us if we talk about your graphs, right? Because that's the intention of producing a graph. So, I mean, um, let's 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 
so one aspect that that isn't covered by one aspect that isn't really covered by the technicalities and you were alluding to it is yung, yung symbolism of the sovereign wealth fund of course and yung image niya diba and, and yeah. in tying it up with Sandro Marcos as an individual and the, the kind of symbols that Sandro Marcos wants to tap into the symbol that obviously the Marcoses have been trying to tap into is the is is the symbol of Singapore right um and it's Duterte tried to they do they know that. they know Um, that Filipinos have intense Singapore envy, envy. right? Yeah, For some do. reason, we don't have Japan envy, we don't have Thailand envy, we don't have Korea envy. Korea envy yeah. Yeah, yeah, we don't Korea even praise, have... But not envy, yeah. yeah, we don't even have Vietnamese envy. We really have Singapore envy. And of course, when you when you talk when you talk Singapore, you think about the brilliance of Temasek. Right, you right. think about the brilliance of their sovereign wealth fund, which is not like the Saudi wealth fund. Mas mahirap lokohin ang mga Singapore Good luck. Yeah. I said it as a point of praise, by the way. Magamay sa binila dawas. Ingat kaya, ingat kaya. Okay, okay. So, uh, so yon. So, so I think that's the that's the that's the symbol that they're, they're that they're trying. Tapping into there, balik na naman tayo dun sa issue ng Singapore envy. Now, Richard, I know you talked about this a lot. You know the discontents of our Singapore envy. Why is it na nagmamanifest na naman yung discontent ng Singapore envy natin dito sa particular case na to ng yeah. Maharlika Fund? Oh, for me, the Singapore envy is strongest among new Filipino middle class, right? Mm. And the professional class. Kaya nga, ang taas ng support for Sara and, uh, uh, and Bongbong in the last elections I argued in the Journal of Democracy piece I wrote on the return of Marcus is that this is what I call disciplinary politics. And I see Lee Kuan Yew very much as the father of 21st century disciplinary politics. No? And remember, Leloy, Japan, Korea, kailangan mo ng visa pumunta doon. Taiwan until mm-hmm. recently. Sa Singapore, pwede ka pumunta dyan. Basta meron kang konting ano lang. Pero a middle class Filipino can easily go to... Yeah, bakasong ka lang dyan. Oh. So, you just spend a weekend there. Exactly. Diba? Pero pwede ka mag-holy week dyan eh. Exactly. The prox- So it's like BGC writ large, right? Mm-hmm. And and tama yung yung point ng isang sociologist friend natin in Chicago University, right? Na parang if you look at it, the BGC si Marco Garrido ba? Marco Garrido. Marco Garrido, Dr. Garrido. If you look at it, the BGC is all of this uh, Makati, Ortigas, these business centers, they're they're You know, there is an authoritarian element there because kahit sino naman, hindi pwede, may security guard, my class mm-hmm. element, but the middle class loves it. So for me, uh All of these are connected. There's a psychology behind it. And people in the PR industry, Lelo, they're even better than you and I, no? When it comes to understanding oh, psychology and playing it, no? So they're better than us. So ako, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a, just an ordinary social scientist, my understanding is that all of these are connected to each other, no? The last thing I want to say, Lelo, because parang bigla naging super serious yung discussion at economics. Let's have a lighthearted switch right after this. For me, the last thing I want to talk about is this. I cannot really classify Marcos Jr. as an authoritarian populist. I really can't. Like, there's just no indication in his actual policy, not branding, but actual policy. So he's not a consummate authoritarian populist, as in Duterte. What he said in the campaign, he's doing when he's, and like the drug and all. Marcos in there. Like, he used, he of course enjoyed the Marcos branding and all the authoritarian brand, but once he's in power, he's a very kind of moderated kind of president, far more moderate even than Duterte. So I, I call him technocratic populist. No, hmm. that's connected to Singapore. This idea that leave it to the government, leave it to us, leave it to us experts, right? I, naka ex Oxford na ako, naka Wharton na ako, yung anak ko LSE and dito yung mga experts. 
you leave it to us and we'll take care of everything like that no that's what makes us a great leader i mean look at it diba hindi yung sinabi niya sa inauguration niya na dapat don't worry you can just sit back and let the government take yes. care yes yeah, no? yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. very technocratic but it's also populist because clearly mm. you know he tries to present himself as an alternative to a broken liberal establishment he's an outsider he has been victim of of persecution of prs propaganda black propaganda so definitely you see a meeting very interesting meeting of technocratic politics and populism and in fact there was a very interesting uh, essay very long essay because there's a book on that technocratic populism it looks at even the cases of macron among others and there was a very good essay I'll forward to you later on on new left review on technocratic populism it's a, it's a fascinating idea and i was looking at it this is how uh, marcus junior can be best explained and what they're doing also with this Maharlika sovereign. So the Maharlika is the Marcos senior, right? But the sovereign mm. fund is the technocratic. It's the perfect embodiment of this technocratic. Oh, I know. Right? Diba? Boom. Diba? Yeah, exactly my point. This is technocratic populism par excellence. And it's mm. not just the father, but also the son. The second and the third I'm talking about, not the senior. Second and third. Really, it's oh. it's working along that way, no? And look at Marcos Jr. He loves to talk about, about investors, about Elon Musk, about SpaceX. He doesn't want to talk about nitty-gritties of history and politics. And he wants to talk because he wants this image of being a technocratic expert on top of that. Yeah. And again, that's really Singapore because Lee Kuan yeah. Yew was the embodiment of philosopher king, right? He was the brilliant guy who understood things better than everyone, so leave it to him. You don't need democratic contestation and pluralism in that context. So that's where I see this going. Thank you, actually. Yeah, but where, 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 where I also see this going is I, I don't, I don't think it will be helpful for Sandro because they were, everybody's asking, you know, what's the end game of the first lady, Lisa Araneta? And my sense is her end game is she wants continuity. She wants, she, she wants to exclude the IME. She wants to exclude other branches of the family so that the next Marcos president will be her beloved son, Sandro. And, yeah, and things and are good clearly, for all her sons. Yeah, 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 yeah. And clearly, clearly this is bad for that project because this can only go two ways. Number one, it can fizzle out. Kasi walang pera, wala siyang kwenta. Or number two, it could end up in a massive corruption scandal which is going to be even worse, right? And yeah. the third option, the option of success, we've already discussed why that option is highly, highly unlikely. unlikely. So it is uh, it is such a huge risk um, for Sandro Marcos to associate his kind of bid for future power yeah. on, on this project. Kasi I can imagine, you know, whatever, 20 years from now, tumatakbo si Sandro Marcos for president. You have a presidential debate. Tapos somebody will like bring up Maharlika Wealth Fund. Gagaguhin siya about it, right? You're, you're already providing ammunition for your for your future Rival. political opponents, for your future rivals. And yeah. kung ako sa kanila, strategically back off, just back off now. It's it's yeah. it, it's bad politics. And it, it's not just bad politics. It's potentially bad for the country. Or, you know, just let it fizzle out in the legislative yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, oh, is allowed the actual like oh. just the ideas there, buzz and then move on. Let's yeah. find something yeah, yeah, else, Talano, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. something like that. Maybe it's really that. Maybe it's not supposed to be taken seriously. That's why I'm essentially saying, don't worry, you know, is sending. So I don't know. We, uh, so for me, naman kasi ganito, I, I want to end on this point. Uh, on my part, of course, you can go on. And point ko is Duterte was really such an interregnum, right? Like when Duterte <laughs> year zero, right? Like. Year zero. <laughs> so essentially, Marcos Jr. and all of these people now in power wondering, like, what can we do? Like, how far can we go? You know what I'm saying? Like, I think everyone is experimental now because Duterte just reset the whole deck. It's not the same regime anymore. We're a totally different ballgame right mm-hmm. now. 
and I'm glad that so far we're more technocratic populist than authoritarian populist, right? Mm. So of course, populism is not my m- number one choice, but I take it. Wala nang pat- at simpatay hindi na kasi sama. Mm-hmm. Ako talaga yung talaga pare yung yung patayan just the fact na hindi na dumadanak yung dugo at the levels they were during Duterte. I mean that's a big improvement. Exactly. And and it's worth. And now to say inflation is like version of EJK and drug war, I don't know. Some people perhaps would make that argument, right? But oh, I'm not sure. Please, that. please, please, no, please no, no. That, that would be dishonoring. That would be dishonoring the that, the lives of the people. Yeah. yeah. And we're not talking about hyperinflation of 50, 60, yeah. 70, Zimbabwe level, 1,000%. Okay. We had a very technocratic discussion, right? Without being posed.